The author of the book Gender Queer says what we already knew. An artist gets accused of fraud over his latest piece of artwork, but should he really give his money back? I say no, and I'll tell you why. And the great debate about dog culture and pit bulls comes to a head. Let's talk about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I'm running a little late today. That's okay. I promised I'd do a podcast, and I am doing one. So we're going to get to it, because basically there are a lot of stories I want to hit today. Uh, especially the dog story. I want to get into that because this story I'm holding back from last week and it really annoys me. And I think it's worth going through the couple of stories that we have and then debating them a little bit because I know even people in this podcast probably aren't going to agree with me. But first things first, let's get to dumbass of the day. Okay, so... This, I only had one dumbass of the day, and of course I found it this morning. And I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, this one is such a, so typical on TikTok that I almost feel bad for playing it because it's just, this kind of attitude has just become cliche with these trans people. And basically what she, what she is doing, she's a trans man, which means she's a woman. She's going over trying to describe what a trans woman is or trans man is or a woman or whatever. So she's, she's, I think this is coming from that. What is a woman kind of thing? And I, I played this thing and I thought, my God, she's just all over the place. Now, if you go to Dumbasses Talking Politics, I really was going to put this on Rumble, which, by the way, I've got a ton of these on Rumble. Just go to Rumble, take a look. You'll see Dumbasses of the Day all over Rumble. It, one of the things I want to point out is these people do not even work to look good. They don't even, they show absolutely no signs of self-respect at all for themselves. So this chick is fat. She is unshaven. She's kind of got hair coming out in tufts, which I think is part of the point. She wants to be a man. She's got piercings all over. Uh, her face is all greasy. And my, my question is, is this, you want to be representative of the trans community. And to be honest, whether you're a man or a woman, you're disgusting. But let's just get, let's listen to what she says, because this is just so stereotypical. I, I've played so many of these. I hardly think it's worth anything, but let's listen anyway. Trans men don't need to be like cis men at all in order to be men. Trans men don't need to know that they're a man from a really young age. They don't need to play with trucks as a little boy. They don't need to hate the color pink and purple. They don't need to hate dresses. Trans men can love to wear makeup. Trans men can be of any sexuality. Trans men don't even have to feel like men if they don't want to. They can be bi-gender and feel like both man and woman. They can be non-binary and feel like both either a combination of the two or something completely different. They can use he pronouns, she pronouns, they pronouns, it, it's, neo pronouns. They also don't have to be predators in the way that some people think cis men are. They don't invade queer spaces because they are queer people and they have lived experiences of marginalized gender. They aren't inherently harmful because being associated with masculinity doesn't make anybody harmful. They don't have to go on testosterone or want to go on testosterone. They don't have to want top surgery. They can want to have breasts. 
they can want to have a vulva. And none of those experiences invalidate the experiences of any man, cis or trans. Because gender is literally anything that you want it to be and can look like whatever you want. And the most beautiful thing about being trans is that every single person does it differently. This is what drives me crazy about the trans movement. There are no lines with them. Zero lines. So in other words, you can be a physical woman and still identify yourself as a man. There are no lines. Like, what is the line? Are boobs the line? Are high amounts of testosterone the line? What are the amounts of testosterone? What are the amounts of... Well, there are no lines. And this works the same way for men. I mean, that's why men can compete in women's sports. They just have to think... they're. And there have been a lot of men who have identified as women, broken all the records, women's records in that sport, and then re-identified as men just to prove how stupid the whole concept is. And guess what? According to this guy, this broad, that's exactly what can happen. And it's, it's just a real take. So I, I tell you what, and this is where the question is. That's why where, what is a woman is a real problem for them. Because there is no line. I could be a woman now. I can, I, I can create some BS pronouns, say I'm a woman, and there's nothing anyone can do to debate this. Which is what a lot of straight people like me are doing right now. We're making fun of the whole thing. Well, I'm a woman now. You can't say that. You're not allowed to say that because I'm now part of the victim class. And I identify as an indigenous person. I'm a female a trans female indigenous person say something. Yes, I'm white as day and I'm actually a man who's married to a woman. But then I can say I'm a lesbian too and then I'm in another uh, class. So this is the whole problem with this whole thing. And that's the problem they have answering. We're sitting back and saying, no, there's a, defin there's a definite definition of woman. There's a definite definition of man. And you can't cross between the two. But people like this... They say, no, there is absolutely no line. It's the gender is, that's why they keep saying gender is a, uh, a bi gender is non-binary. It's a spectrum. Of course, one of the things people like this have problem divining, if it's a spectrum, um, then, and by the way, yes, there are masculine women. Yes, there, uh, there are feminine and men. That doesn't mean that those men are women and the masculine women are men. That, that's not how it works. But the big problem with the spectrum argument, which is what this person kind of makes, is that no one can define what, the thir what a third sex is. It's either men or women. There's no in-between. You either are a man or a woman. And don't talk intersex. Intersex is a birth defect or it's a defect in, in the person's DNA. It's not that common it does happen, and there are reasons it happens, and we can actually figure out why it happened. Well, we got this de defect in the DNA. So, I mean, we can actually go in, and doctors can go in and define why this problem occurred. So, intersex people are not really a thing. Yeah, they're they're. It's like saying a, there's a spectrum of legs. This is a Matt Walsh thing. There's a spectrum of legs because someone has one leg. No, that's a, that's a deficiency. So, yeah, I, I, I'm so tired of hearing these people. I love messing with them because their arguments are just so stupid.
Okay, let's get to the next story. And this one actually really surprised me. Um, and I think this is going to have a real backlash. But according to the Daily Wire, the author of Gender Queer, the graphic novel with explicit sexual content that has shown up in public school libraries across the country, outraging parents, is saying her book is not actually for kids. Last week, author Maya Kobabe, who identifies as non-binary and uses the pronouns E-M-Air, explained that while her book might be appropriate for older teens, and mind you, she said might be, she does not recommend it for children. Quote, it keeps being called a children's book, but I think that's coming from a misreading of the comic book form. Genderqueer is a comic and in full color, but that doesn't mean it's for kids. I originally I originally wrote the book for my parents and then for older teens who were already asking these questions about themselves. I don't recommend the book for kids, she told the Washington Post in an interview published last week. Genderqueer includes illustrations of sex between two males with a sex toy, oral sex, masturbation, and other explicit as sexually explicit contents. Now I've read this book. It is a horrid book. By the way, um, this is the this is the problem with this um, this comic books. Uh, I can't remember what they call them. Um, it, it, it's not really a comic book like Mouse. Mouse is a prime example. Mouse is a comic book that basically is about the is about the Holocaust. It is a very brutally graphic book. It's very good, but it's brutally graphic. And this is not meant for kids. Uh, other, there are tons of these comic books out there. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of examples, but 300, for example, the movie where the, the Spartans fight the Arabs, that was considered a comic, that was a comic book. A graphic novel is what they call it. Sorry, graphic novel. That was a graphic novel. And there are, there are a bunch of others that are just not made for kids. Well, John Kennedy is one of the... And, and just so that you know what's in this book. John Kennedy, the uh, Louisiana senator, he decided to read some of this book on the floor of the Senate because this book is being put in libraries where seven-year-olds are reading. And it was so graphic, people were asking him to stop reading it. News organizations were bleeping him out. And the funny thing is I saw it live where they couldn't, they actually didn't have the ability to bleep him. Because, of course, when it's live in the Senate, they just let him go. Let's listen to him read from this book. The second is a uh, another much-discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Gender Queer. Okay? Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote, I got a new strap-on strap harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. 
I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life, then I want you inside of me. End quote. Now, Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. So, by the way, this book, this hearing is about fighting to keep this book in schools. So they are fighting to keep books in schools, even though parents are saying they don't want this crap in schools. That's what this is all about. And he's reading this book, and everyone is really uncomfortable. And and he played another book. He read from another book, too, called All Boys Are Blue. All Boys Aren't Blue. Let me see which one is it. All, by, All Boys Are Blue. And the discussion there was just as graphic. If not, I could even say almost more so. And these teachers, these librarians, want this crap in school for your seven-year-old to read. Absolutely incredible. Now, as far as, okay, making graphic, no, no one's saying ban the book. I'm not saying ban the book. You want to read that shit, go for it. But to sit back and don't force it on my kids... That does definitely does not belong with kids. And before you start screaming book bans, book bans, book bans, I think I've already mentioned in the past that there are some books that should be banned. Or not banned, excuse me. Shouldn't be allowed in schools. Clockwork Orange, great book, doesn't belong in a school. One of the greatest pieces, greatest the greatest pieces of literature shouldn't be in schools. 1984, probably a questionable book in school. The Brothers Karamazov should, probably shouldn't be in school because there, there are scenes in the book that are rather for the mature. Does that mean to ban the book? Of course not. No one's saying to ban the books. It's just, no, they don't belong in schools. Kids shouldn't be reading those. They, they aren't mature enough to deal with the situations. So, but good for this gal or guy. I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, well, nine, but I, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, good for, good for her for actually saying the quiet part out loud that, yeah, no, this book was not meant for kids. I wrote it. Yes. It's for, and she said late teenagers. So she's talking like 17 year olds. 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and adults, which is what it was primarily made for. So good for her for saying this. Okay, this is a story This is a story that I wanted to bring up because I, I think it really does raise a lot of questions. Because art is going straight to hell, and it seems that modern, modern art is basically the less you do and the more shocking it can be, the more it's supposed to be valuable. In other words, it's going straight to hell. I mean, nobody draws a picture of a, a fruit bowl anymore. That's what used to happen, and that was considered great art because it, it was. I mean, I can't draw a fruit the way these people do. Uh, 
But here's a story that I think these art studios, you get what you, you, you deserve this. According to the Daily Wire, a Danish artist is being asked to return money he was given to complete an art installation after he submitted two blank canvases as the finished product. Kusten Art Museum of Modern Art in Denmark lent artist Jens Hanning $532,449 Dutch krone, equivalent to about $76,000, so he could recreate two earlier pieces that physically depicted the average income of a Danish citizen versus the Australian, Austrian citizen per NPR. Okay, so what he's doing is he's comparing, he's drawing artwork for the incomes of two different groups of people. All right. But rather than affixing the money to the canvas, Hanning pocketed the cash and turned in a blank canvas he dubbed Take the Money and Run. That's clever. The museum initially accepted the canvases and displayed them as art of Work It Out of the Work It Out show in 2021, expecting the artist to return the money afterward, but he refused, which resulted in a lengthy court battle. Now, my question here, should this guy return the money? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because this is the state of modern art today. And by the way, these jerk-offs at the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art took, the, took them. They knew what they were. They hung them up. They were selling them. They didn't sell, but there's a shocker. But they took them. So should this guy really return? No, he shouldn't return the money. He, this, this is the problem with art today. Art is going to be either one of two things. Incredibly lazy works. Okay, people are drawing dots on things. People are, like the artist on a couple of these pieces of art are actually just standing in front of a canvas and saying, that's art. Just lazy, lazy stuff. And they're, they're saying, this is artwork. Or they're doing things that are really disgusting and controversial, like peeing in a, peeing in a bottle throwing a crucifix in it and calling it piss Christ or whatever it is. That's a thing that actually did happen. Yeah, that's not art. This is not art. But the fact of the matter is, this museum has been displaying shit like this for a really long time. And now somebody makes money off of it because obviously he half-assed it. And they displayed it. Well, if you displayed it, hey, he gets to keep the cash. You could have said, this is bullshit, and given it back to him. But they didn't. They took it, and they displayed it. And supposedly were selling it. So, F you. Here's the thing. The world, our, our, our modern society has really fallen apart. It really has gotten just horribly bad. You know, the, the Notre Dame the cathedral in France that burned down a couple years ago. No, oh, a long time ago now. It's been four or five years ago it burned down. They were complaining that they're trying to rebuild it. And of course, it was made out of wood and, and rock, stone. So the thing is, yeah, basically when the fire hit, it, it took it completely out. But they're trying to rebuild Notre Dame. And you know what the big problem they're having with it? They don't know how. They can't conceive of the architecture 
in the 12th century, 11th century, when this thing was built, they can't conceive of how to rebuild it. That's really freaking sad. And it just shows you how our modern creativity, how modern art, how architecture, which is art, has gone straight to hell in a handbasket. That you can't take something that's been standing for a thousand years and rebuild it. You don't know how. You can't conceive of what they did to build this thing. Our entire art, all art, by the way, I was talking to this with my guitar teacher yesterday, all art is going to straight to hell. Music, for example, classical music. My, my instructor is a classical guitarist. And he said, yeah, classical music has become just impotent. It, it's just no feeling. There's, there's no life to it anymore. Because these modern composers don't know how to create, like Mozart, Bach, and Beethoven. Heck, even modern music like Cardi B, there's no life there. I had a, my stepdaughter sat there and told me, well, Mozart, yeah, he may have been great in his time, but Cardi B is a lot more fun to listen to. And I said, yeah, but in 10 years, are you going to know who Cardi B is? You brought up Mozart. You know who he is. And he's been dead for 400 years. Why is that? Because he made beautiful music that is objectively beautiful. And meanwhile, Cardi B just screams about her ass on, in a microphone in words, in language you can barely understand. And that's considered art today. That is actually considered art today. Is Cardi B's trash is considered art today. She's getting awards for it. She's getting paid millions of dollars for it. It's really, really pathetic. Okay, let's take a look at the next story. And here's something. Speaking of our betters, the elites of our society, I should. I wanted to talk about this last week. So Hollywood is falling apart, as well it should. As far as speaking of crappy art, um, they want more money. The especially the writers. That's the writers have decided to go on strike. So, meanwhile, new TV shows are not being written and all that fun stuff. The late-night shows are not being written by writers now. I, it, I think they're all reruns. I don't watch late-night shows, so I, can't, I don't know what's true and what's not. The writers are worried that AI is going to take over for them, which, by the way, they probably should worry about that because their writing is so freaking bad that AI would do a better job. The actors are worried because AI seems to be taking over everything. Eventually, we're going to have actors that are AI created. And in for the most part, we already do. A lot of those animations are not people. A lot of those animations, they're voiced by people, but AI is actually creating the graphics. So they all went on strike because they wanted a pay raise and they wanted a guarantee that AI was not going to take their jobs which AI will take their jobs. And of course, Hollywood is saying, um, no, uh, we're not guaranteeing any of that. We'll give you a raise. They did say they'd give them a raise, but we're not guaranteeing AI is not going to be involved. Well, it's been six months, and guess what? No one has noticed that the writers are gone. 
No one has noticed that new movies aren't coming out. No one has noticed that TV shows are reruns. No one has, no one has noticed that late night shows aren't on. That they're, re, they're reruns. Unfortunately, it's the elites that are, are on strike. But they're already rich. The people who are struggling are the little people. The guy, the boom operator, the um, the uh, audio operator, the cameraman, they're the ones that are struggling. The millionaire writers are not struggling so much. So now, I, I know we talked about McDonald's paying $20 an hour for a uh, fry cook. Maybe some of these people are running over there, and they should. But they're the ones that are struggling. So... These millionaires, writers and actors, have decided that they are going to raise money for these, they're going to raise money for these little people. Now you would think, okay, what are these people going to do? They're going to donate some money, you know, write a check for $10,000, throw it at whatever fund you're doing, and that money will be spread out to the, to the, the smaller people in Hollywood. You would think that's what they do. They can afford it. 10000 is nothing for them. It's not even a decent tax deduction. But guess what? That's not what they're doing. What they've decided, what these actors and these writers have decided to do is donate their time through services and donate products and auction that stuff off on eBay. Wow. Thanks? Now, what's amazing is some of the shit, and I mean literally shit, that these people are auctioning off. So let's go over a bunch of them. So Lena Dunham, who was a comedian, I don't even know what she's been in, but she's a comedian. She'll paint a mural on your home. She's already got somebody for $5,100. I, Lena Dunham is a disgusting human being, and I don't know if what she's done in the last 10 years. So, okay. Busy Phillips, who I don't even know who that is. You can take a pottery class with her. That's $2,800. Tom Waite is auctioning off his hat. Tom Waite, I guess, is the singer. So that's, tw- that's gone to $2,800. Natasha Lyon, who is Orange is the New Black and Russian Doll, I don't know who she is. She will help you solve the New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle. $2,800. And my understanding, that's on Zoom. So it's not like you're, you're going to sit with her. An apron will be signed by Jeremy Allen White from the cast The Bear. I don't know who that guy is. Adam Scott of Parks and Recre- Recreation will walk the winner's dog for an hour real quality crap. These people are really going all out. All out to help all the little people in Hollywood. Then there's a big ticket item. Like, uh, here's one. Watercolor portrait of the winning bidder's dog from John Lithgow. So John Lithgow will do a watercolor. By the way, watercolor is the fastest painting to do. So water, he'll do a watercolor painting of your dog. That's running $4,000. Here's a big one. Dinner with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. That one's running for $7,100. Of course, I don't know where that dinner's going to be. They didn't say. And here's something that really is a 
fantastic idea. Actresses Sarah Silverman and Maggie Gyllenhaal have opted for 20 minutes, 20 questions. Ask me anything, Zoom calls. So I can get online with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who did Batman, I think. And and her most famous thing is the Batman The Dark Knight series, which she was killed in the first one. And what's the other one? Um, and her, her, her brother is actually more famous than she is. And her brother. That's it. I mean, you point to Jake Gyllenhaal, and then you'll say, well, he's got a sister who acted too. That's basically who she is. And I think it was Ben Shapiro who said this. He said, hey, you know something? If you're, if I'm going to get 20 minutes on Zoom with Maggie Gyllenhaal, those 20 questions are all going to be about her famous actor brother. That's a great one. And of course, there are a bunch of the Zoom hangouts. Nicole Kidman wants to do that one too. So you could basically have a conversation via Zoom. Just how effing cheap is that? I tell you what, you folks... Twenty. How much money is Maggie Gyllenhaal going to make on a 20-minute Zoom video? As if anyone is going to be interesting talking to her. I should have actually gone to eBay and checked these out, but who's going to be interested? It's just incredible, the arrogance of these people, to think that we don't have any commitment to anybody. All right? F everybody else. And they're so arrogant as to believe... I'm going to want Lena Dunham to paint my home or I'm going to want spend big money to talk to Sarah Silverman on Zoom? Wow. Guys, just looking at how many people we're looking at here, they could have put in $200,000 if each of these people just signed a $10,000 check. And you know something? They all can afford it. Well, F you people. Okay, so let's let's get to this one, and this is this is one that I really wanted to talk about. So there's an article on Mother Jones, which is a far left, borderline crazy website. I mean these these people are unstable, and this uh, this author named Abigail Weinberg wrote an article called "The Dog Culture Must End." Now something to know about Abigail is she is leaving Mother Jones. So I thought, okay, this could be interesting because she doesn't really give a damn about what she says about dog culture. So it might be worth taking a look at. Not to mention, I think our dog culture these days, especially with the onset of nobody wanting to have kids, I think this is a real problem because a lot of people these days, including people I know directly, they are replacing kids with dogs. They are calling themselves dog parents, which is weird, not true. So let's get to this article. When I say that I hate dogs, I don't mean that I hate your dog. I mean that I dislike ill-behaved dogs. I mean that I'm actually a little bit scared of them, and they can, they can sense my nervousness, and so we tend not to get along. I mean that I hate dog culture. The relentless prioritization of dogs' needs over humans and the suggestion that anyone who doesn't want their face licked by an oversized mutt is a monster. This is not an insane opening statement, by the way. 
This is exactly how dog people are. They're taking their effing mutts into everywhere. We were eating just last weekend at a restaurant. Some asshole brought their dog in and the dog jumped on our table and was smelling our food. I completely agree with this. This dog had no business being in this restaurant. None. Zero. Nada. No reason this dog should have been in this restaurant. But you can't say anything to these people. You're not allowed to. With the onset of all this bullshit with, you know, emotional support pets and crap like that. We'll get into all that. Let's just continue with the. I'll be here all day talking about this. The issue of our societal permissiveness toward dangerous dogs recently came up at work. During his tenure, President Joe Biden has bought two violent dogs, brought two violent dogs into the White House where thousands of people go to work every day. Last month, a conservative watchdog group released records showing Biden's German Shepherd commander attacked a Secret Service agent 10 times between a uh, uh, commander attacked Secret Service members 10 times between October 2022 and January. And in 2021, Major Biden, another German Shepherd, was exiled to Delaware after his own biting spree. When my colleagues and they surveyed Mother Jones readers about how the Bidens should handle the situation, I was baffled by the responses. This is absolutely true. Those dogs had no business. I mean, they Joe Biden hadn't even warmed the seat in the Oval Office and that dog had bitten somebody. And these are not small dogs. These dogs are between 120 and 150 pounds. These are big freaking dogs. They, if you go to work for the president or you go to the White House or any, any job, you should not feel fr- fear that some dog is going to bite your ass. And we're seeing this more and more where people are taking their pets to work because of emotional support of some shit. Continuing, several respondents suggested that Commander must be able to sniff out Trump allies as if those people deserve to be savaged by an untrained dog. The notion that a dog is a reliable judge of character is symptomatic of a dog-obsessed society. A subset of our population genuinely believes that the dog is always right. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. By the way, she, she does, in order to get this published, she did need to take some swipes at Trump. And she did, though they are not really all that, how shall I say, that vicious or anything. They're just kind of stupid. So let's go let's go on here. I think the president should take a stand against this. Biden should set an example for the rest of the country by getting his animals under control or getting them out of the White House, away from any active workplace where they've been known to hurt people. By the way, uh, no, once the dog threatens somebody, growls at somebody, that dog should be out. Period. End of story. Don't wait until the dog hurts someone. If the dog doesn't like someone, either that person is transferred somewhere else or that dog is gone. Preferably, that dog is gone. Dogs do not belong in the White House. Sorry. He should make it clear that no one needs to tolerate an unruly dog. He should give a grand speech. I'll write it, don't worry, on how this country's canine attitude is, although not a top legislative issue, extremely knowing. You know, I'll go a step further. Um, 
the dog thing is not only annoying, it's actually dangerous for our society because people are replacing children with dogs. They would rather have a dog than have a child. And I know people in Josie's family who know, who is directly related to Josie who's, who believes this. Well, I'm going to be a dog parent. Well, here's a newsflash. You're not a dog parent. You are a you own you are a person who you are not a parent, you're childish childless with a dog. And the problem is we're at 1.7 births to every couple. That's under replacement value. Population replacement value. We're actually killing ourselves. And we're coming up with excuses. I don't want kids, so I'll just get a dog. Like a dog is is comparable to having a kid. I am allowing Biden to take a moderate position here, as usual. He does not need to say he hates dogs. He can simply state the obvious. It's a dog's world, and we're just living in it, no matter how dangerous, dirty, and or disrespectful it may be. Hating dogs, by the way, is just another thing Trump ruined. Yeah, it's because Trump was not a dog fan. And so you got to... If, if Trump doesn't like dogs... You know, no one can like dog. No one can dislike dogs. It's a stupid thing to even put there. But like I said, I think if this was going to get published, she had to beat on Republicans somewhere. Here, she's actually kind of beating on Democrats or Joe Biden. Some will read this and pretend they don't know what I'm talking about. Come on, you've experienced dog in dogs indiscretions. You've stepped on their shit in the street. It's not their fault. Behind every misbehaving dog is a human victim of dog culture, an individual whose mind is too warped by dog love to consider the well-being of their fellow human beings, or the dog itself. In a world of doggy daycare, dog parades, and dog spas, can you really blame some people for starting to believe that dogs are better than the rest of us? Uh, She's right here. There are a group of people that actually think this. And, And they think that their dogs are better than human beings. They think dogs are human beings. They are making dogs into human beings. There are human beings who are becoming dogs. That's all because of that gender thing. There's a man in Japan who spent $14,000 on a collie outfit and walks around as a collie. So to sit back and say, well, dogs aren't human. Here's the thing. People are trying to make dogs human. I mean, if a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. Why can't a dog be a human? I mean, it's closer biologically. Just weird stuff here. But don't think that the gender, the whole gender thing is any different. It's the same bloody thing. It really is. Dogs are human. They identify, I identify my dog as a human being. That, I don't think that's a crazy thing. Some of us act like dogs rule the world. Often when I'm out with a friend strolling down the street or sitting down at a restaurant, a dog walks by and the friend interrupts our conversation to freak out about the dog. They might exclaim what a cute dog it is or go up to the owner asking to pet it initiating a protracted conversation about the animal's age, sex, weight, breed, temperament, and grooming requirements. What I want to say to my friend, but never manage to spit it out is, have you ever seen a fucking dog before? Calm down. 
Why are you so excited? It's a dog. This is true, and I do do this every once in a while. I like dogs. I, I love dogs. But you see this a lot. We learn more about the dog than we learn about the person that the dog is walking. I think if I were a dog owner, that I would be annoyed by people stopping me every two blocks to fawn over my pet. But I'm not a dog owner. So I'm unable to comprehend the sense of superiority and entitlement that governs their day-to-day. Imagine going through life with a rambunctious dog and insisting to every stranger that she attacks that she's really sweet. Imagine dragging your dog into restaurants with a fake service animal vest, thereby making it harder for people who actually do need service animals to prove that they're not just pets. Imagine bringing your dog into the wilderness area, ignoring the leash requirements, and acting surprised when your dog won't stop chasing birds or digging up plants. We allow dogs to act like assholes. Enough. End dog culture. And then she says in a little end, this is my last day after many years of blogging at Mother Jones. I'll miss you all. And if you disagree with this post, you and your dog can bite me. So I got a feeling this had something to do, because this is, by the way, dog culture is a leftist culture point. It is a leftist talking point. And you can see it when you talk about other animals. Now, I'm not sure if this gal was fired or this gal quit. But I, I think this is a very interesting article coming from Mother Jones because I don't say this often, but I agree with absolutely just about everything she said. Now, here we go. Let me get to my point. Dogs and other animals do not belong on planes, trains, buses, restaurants, bars, coffee houses, grocery stores, malls, doctor's offices, or hospitals. They are animals. They're not people. They never have been people. They are animals. They're dirty they stink. They stick their noses in everyone's business. I am not talking about real service animals, like a dog that is leading a blind person. I'm not talking about that, or a dog that's necessary for a person who's a quadriplegic sitting in a wheelchair. I'm talking about pets, and that includes those emotional support dogs that you can get on that you can get a piece of paper for online. My dog, love her to death. I love her to death. She's a pug. She's stupid as sin. She is not emotionally supporting anybody in our apartment. But we did get the emotional support paper so we don't have to pay $50 extra in rent to keep this dog. If someone needs a dog to function, that person should check themselves into a mental institution. A dog ain't going to fix their problems. Now, I've said this already. Dog culture is not just bad for our culture. We have a real problem with adults having kids. People are buying dogs and calling themselves dog parents. And I'll say this again. Dogs do not replace kids. Here's a little tidbit. People can't be dog parents. Do you know why people can't be dog parents? Because dogs are dog parents. And dogs can be assholes when they're parents. Do you know what they do to runts in their litter? They typically eat them. It irritates me when I see people that are saying they're not going to have kids, but they're just going to get a dog and be a dog parent. It means you're just a cop out, you're lazy, you're irresponsible, and you don't want to be responsible for another adult. Now, I have a minute and a half. I'm not done with the whole dog damn dog thing. Okay, and you got to remember, I love dogs. I've had a dog my entire life. I love dogs. 
England just banned large breed pit bulls called XL pit bulls. They cite that the animal is a danger, that these animals attack. You don't know when they're going to attack. And mind you, they've already banned pit bulls over there. They actually have a law about dangerous animals. They banned pit bulls, now the XL pit bull. Because some asshole out there has decided, okay, I'm going to breed my pit bull with a a gigantic dog like a Great Dane or something so I can have a gigantic pit bull. And it, it, they did this. And they made these dogs that are between 150 and 200 pounds but don't quite fit into the pit bull mold. Now, I believe, and I we have pit bulls. I know my nephew has a pit bull. I believe all pit bulls should be banned. They are attack dogs. They are made to be attack dogs. They are made to kill. They were bred for dog fighting. They physically have attributes about those dogs that are different than any other dog. Now, my there are arguments against banning pit bulls. My wife is against banning pit bulls. She thinks they're cute, which is a stupid argument. Okay, Her kid was mauled by a pit bull. So that tells you something. Not sure what her stance is, why she's taking that stance. I would think that would be enough reason to ban pit bulls. But let's go through those arguments. Because there are a set of arguments. Not that England, England banned XL pit bulls and already banned pit bulls. The debate is raging. So let's talk about the debate. So here are the arguments. Pit bulls are cute. You know, here's the thing with nature. Nature has a tendency of making cute. They do, it, it does. Usually, a plant that's really cute or an animal that's really cute, they're cute for a reason. It's a way to a, attract and entrap prey. A Venus flytrap is a very pretty flower. And it's made to smell good. But the reason? It's trying to capture bugs and eat them. It wants bugs to come to them. A skunk is actually a pretty cute animal. Go near it. Bears are extremely cute. Yeah, go pet a bear. See how that works out for you. Being cute does not mean that the animal is safe. You can't own a bear. You can't own a skunk. You can own a Venus flytrap, but that's because they're plants. Okay. And the other thing is, there are other dogs out there that are cute. My pug is adorable. She's 13 pounds. She has never. She will never bite anyone. Do you know why? Because if she does, we'll kick her in the next week. You do not need a 150-pound dog that's cute because it's cute. Okay, next argument. I have a right to have a dog. What's the difference between the right to have a dog and the right to own a gun? Because there is nothing in the Constitution about owning a pit bull or a dog of any kind. There is a right uh, to own a gun. It's the Second Amendment. You do have the right to own a gun. You do not have a right to own a dog. And I'll go a step further. Guns are inanimate objects. If I put a gun someplace, that gun is not going to do a damn thing. It's just going to sit there. If I put, put a pit, pit bulls, on the other hand, they're animate objects. They can think. They can feel. They can get pissed off. A pit bull can then act for themselves. 
And that brings us to our third excuse. Mean dogs are a sign of bad training. Again, no. Dogs are sentient. They'll do whatever they want. And because they're sentient, they can get moody. They can get annoyed. And that's when they attack. A dog can be fully trained and still flip out on you. It happens all the time. Excuse number four, or argument number four. They are no more dangerous than any other large dog, and this is the stupidest argument you could hear, or I could hear. I saw this on Twitter this weekend, last weekend. No, pit bulls have been bred for fighting. They are bred to kill. Their jaws locked. They have more testosterone than the average dog. They are made to kill. When a pit bull grabs somebody by the throat, their jaws will lock and you will need a crowbar to actually get those jaws undone. Even if you kill the dog, they are made to attack. They are made to kill. And by the way, how do we know this? Most dog attacks, most fatalities from dogs or by pit bulls. It's not even close. Pit bulls make up something like 80% of all dog attacks. I'd have to look it up, but it's it's right around 80. I heard it could be as high as 93, 94%. But pit bulls do most of the attacks. Finally, and this is like the weakest argument of the all, argument of them all, and we can actually refer back to the last article. Pit bulls are part of my family. And they basically say that about any dog. Um, No. Dogs are not part of your family. Dogs are not human. You did not bear the dog. They are dogs. They are pets. You've had pet for, for the family. And if the pet dies, yes, you will be sad. And then you'll get over it, and a month later you'll buy another fucking dog. So you do not need to worry about dogs being part of the family. They're not part of the family. They'll die, you'll be upset, and you'll buy another dog. There are very few people, even dog lovers like me, who a dog dies, yes, get sad, maybe shed a tear, but then get over and get another dog. So they're not part of your family. You may love them. And you may get upset when they die. Or they run away. Or they're put down because they've eaten the kid next door. But they're not part of the family. They're just a pet. Okay, I hope you guys have a great weekend. If you just need to hear more from me, uh, go to Rumble. I have released a bunch of videos out there. They're coming out every day, one a day. I hope you have a great weekend. God bless. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics video shorts.